0: I'm Chris Turner, and this is the Empowered Parent Podcast. Greetings, listeners, and welcome to a new season of the Empowered Parent Podcast. Joining me, as always, are Ryan and Kayla North. Hi, guys. Hey, Chris. Hello, Christopher. How are y'all? Good. Good. Awesome. Awesome. It's Glad been a while. Be back.
1: Yeah. We're
2: doing well.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and sometimes that's all the best we can say, right? That is the best we could say. Yes. I was just trying to be grammatically accurate because I actually saw like a little video on from Grammarly on like the difference between doing good and doing well. And doing well. Yeah. Like if you're performing a task, you're doing good. But if you're doing good as a person, you then you're doing well. Right. Very good.
1: Thank you for this. Today's empowered. grammar lesson has been brought to you by. <laughs> That's right.
2: I, I helped with homeschooling a little yesterday,
1: just
2: in case nobody can tell. He did.
1: <laughs> it wasn't a grammar lesson. <laughs>
2: I'm crushing counting by fives. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I've been helping a five-year-old with her math.
1: It was beautiful.
2: I didn't think we are talking about homeschooling math today,
0: though. No, so we're The not. question I was going to ask, though, is how good is she at mealtime? Um well that is a uh moving target. Okay. Because yeah.
2: we're gonna talk about mealtime struggles. They are real. Oh, oh, yeah. The struggle is real. <laughs> oh yeah.
1: Absolutely real.
2: So, um to answer your question directly, how was she at dinner tonight? Well, at one point I noticed she wasn't at the table and I don't remember her <laughs> leaving. <laughs> so I had to go out and you know, deputize myself as a search party and find three of the six children. <laughs> So, yeah, there is that. Yeah. So let's dive right in with that one. What are some uh,
0: tips or advice we can offer our parents when the kids just won't stay at the table?
2: Hmm. Maybe we can post that in the Facebook group and then we'll know when somebody else <laughs> offers us some advice.
1: Yeah, we're not very good at keeping kids at the table. No, I'm. they're pretty good most of the time, most of the time I would yeah. say. I don't know that they always were.
2: Yeah, most of the time. Although I think part of the problem tonight was um, Kayla wasn't here for dinner and um, some of the kids kind of recognized a, a hole in the coverage <laughs> and they exploited that soft underbelly and really kind of took advantage of it because I was, had to keep turning to my left to help Addison eat and then I turned to my right because Libby's at, at the other end of the table mm. and uh, she was gone, just And so then I had to go look for her. And when I got back, two other kids were gone. And I'm like, it's like, it's like whack-a-mole. Right. It's like if whack-a-mole and musical chairs had a child together, <laughs> that's what dinner at, at, at our house whack was a like tonight.
1: Whack-a yeah,
2: whack musical chair? Yeah, whack-a musical chair.
1: We'll give it a new name.
2: Yeah. So that's kind of how it went we'll at our house.
0: 2018, Ryan and There you go. <laughs> there you go. So how do we keep the kids at the table? And do you guys have trouble getting getting them
2: to the table? Hmm. That generally depends on what they're doing mm. right up to mealtime. So one of the things we've gotten better about is to not have them do their favorite thing um, up until mealtime, right? because they don't want to quit their favorite thing. And, right. And that's the thing. I don't want to quit my favorite thing either, which by the way, is sitting around talking to you guys. Of course. Oh, oh okay. Well, um, maybe I wasn't sarcastic enough in my time. Um, <laughs> it's up there though, legitimately. So, you know, if, they have a f- favorite TV show. Don't agree to let them watch that in the 25 minutes preceding dinner because mm-hmm. the TV show, well, in the 15 minutes preceding dinner because the TV show is 23 minutes on Netflix without ad breaks and there's just eight minutes left and they don't want give to give up the show at eight minutes. So make sure that something they can transition from easily has helped us. Um, giving them warnings to mm-hmm. uh, help transition, say, hey, 15 minutes because I counted them down by, by I mean, 15 minutes, 10 minutes, five minutes, two minutes, we're done. And the only pushback I got was from Libby. They were playing Minecraft. And she said, hey, Dad, can I just like put this one thing here? I said, sure. And she did, and she shut it. So that was kind of, you know, she so said, what are the things we've done? I'm just thinking about how I handled this evening. Mm.
1: Yeah, I think, I think keeping kids at the table is a little more challenging for us now than getting them to the table. We've gotten pretty good at managing the transition from one thing to another, I right. think. Um, but I think it is all about managing the transition and figuring out, what it is that your kids really have a hard time getting away from, and making sure that's not right before a meal time. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether that's you stop what their favorite thing is to do—chores, or to take a bath, or get their jammies on—you know, a lot of times we'll say, "Okay, everybody, go get your jammies on," and then it'll be ready. Dinner will be ready, right? So then they can quick get their jammies on, and yeah. but as far as keeping them at the table, just having good conversation at the table is is I think what keeps our kids at the table most of the time, mm-hmm. right? We try and have our – we have our meal in our formal dining room most of the time um, because, well, first of all, we have a table big enough for everybody. Right. Um, our kitchen table is a little small for all of us, but it really – it kind of has that air of this is an important time for mm. us to be together, right? We have candles and we – don't always light the candles or I have this little um, electric candles, right? Right. And sometimes we'll put those on the table. We use a little ambiance. Yeah. And we use, we use nice placemats, and we use little chargers on the table. So it feels like a little bit more of a, it's an event, an event, even if we have paper plates. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not that we do fancy stuff all the time, but we try and have, we have one person who's responsible for getting drinks that night. We have one person who's responsible for getting, all the silverware to the table so everybody kind of has a job in getting the table set so they all feel like they're a part of the meal Mm -hmm. and then they just tend to stay at the table you know or they'll ask to be excused a lot of times they want to get up and go do other things now getting them to sit down at the table (laughs) that's another story yeah so they you know Oftentimes it's stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down, but they're not leaving, they're still eating. they're just keep getting up and down and don't necessarily want to keep their rear end in the chair
2: right so I mean that's one of the things I had to let go of as a parent is fighting the sit at the table battle because I was just thinking about how I was raised, and that dinners were generally pretty formally thought of in the house. Everybody sat together. We were all laid around the dining room table. Um, and I kept thinking that my grandmother would just kind of be like, not be able, and she was a lovely woman, but she would not have been able to handle dinner time at our house. <laughs> the jack-in-the-box thing is I mean, too much for her. And like so much, so much else of parenting, it's one of the things we had to kind of assess and let go of. Because if I have the expectation that all of my children are going to sit at the table, behave politely use their cutlery, for example. Um, you know, um, and we could spend the next hour just listing some of the crazy things our, <laughs> our nine children do around the table. But if I'm just going to have, the, if that's my idea of dinner, I'm going really be frustrated every night. I you told know, one of our sons, who's kind of up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. I said, you know what, you don't have to sit here. You want to stay any eat dinner? You can stay dinner. He doesn't do it very often. We'll do it every now and then. Mm. And that has to not bother me because you can't make um, you can't make your childhood a sacred cow. Because when you make your childhood a sacred cow, you then expect that childhood out of your children, and that's just not going to happen. It, it, you know, take take the trauma histories off the table. There are six of them at the table. You know, there were three at my, there were three kids at our table growing up, and I thought you know we have new neighbors and I went over yesterday to meet them. They have no children. They also have no gray hair. And sure. yeah, I mean, she didn't like seem nervous or anything when I spoke to them. Um, <laughs> like we generally are, you know, in all seriousness. Um, when she learned that we had six children, she was like, wow. <laughs> and I said to her, you know, because I realized when she said, wow, I said, you know, part of, part of the part of the issue with with having six children is that even when they're on their best behavior, it's always loud in the house. Oh, yeah. Which is one of the other things at dinner time, right? You, you know, if your expectation is going to be, <laughs> dinner is going to be like Downton Abbey,
0: a quiet affair where we all say yeah. please and thank you. And-
2: yes, and I should very much think so. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, I remember, for those of you who watched the show, you'll remember this, but for those of you who don't, I'm sorry you didn't. It was a great show.
1: It was a great show. Um,
2: would remember like the one episode where where like Matthew comes down to dinner and is when he's wearing black tie instead of a white tie, <laughs> and they were like they are just mortified that he would just downgrade dinner to a black tie black affair, tie. <laughs> you know. And so, if that is your expectation of dinner, you're going to be angry <laughs> and frustrated every night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I maybe had some some of that down to ex- expectation of dinner.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and I think as our kids get older, we can raise that expectation too. Right. But especially when you've got little ones you that gotta know are, what they can handle. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they can't handle sitting at the table for more than about 15 minutes probably. Mm. And so if your expectation is that your two year old is going to sit at the table with everybody else while they all finish their meal and you've got one kid who eats so slowly because they chew their food 500 times, right? Mm. Then you're going to be really disappointed. And I think that we have to look at our expectations and, and set realistic expectations and not to say that we're never going to challenge our kids to do a little better than Mm -hmm. they did before, because I think we can challenge them. We can say, you know what, we're going to set this timer and we're all going to sit at the table until this timer goes off Mm. and they can, you know, you can set a visual timer so that they can see it. And, 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 stretch them a little bit. So if you're finding that everybody is scattering from the table after five minutes saying they're full and they want to go play, (laughs) then say, okay, tonight we're going to set for, we're going to sit at the table for seven minutes and try and stretch their time just a little bit at a time. Because ultimately, yes, you're the parent and you are in charge of what that looks like, but you have to know what your kids can handle and what they can, what to really expect out of them. Otherwise you're just going to be frustrated all of the time.
2: Yeah, you know, you mentioned something that I that I, I can't believe it had not occurred to me. It is the discrep it, it's the discrepancy in the speed at which the children eat that's part of part of the issue around the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So that's why like when you're driving your car and everybody's doing eighty five but the speed limit's sixty five, the police officers don't pull in pull anybody away because as safety officers, that is if everybody's doing 20 miles an hour of the speed limit, that's still a safe driving condition. And oddly enough, the person driving the speed limit makes it an unsafe condition. Mm-hmm. It is the differentiation in speed that makes it dangerous. Right? You understand what I'm saying? Right. It's the differentiation in, 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 in chew time at the table that leads <laughs> to all kinds of frustration because the kids, when they're done, they want to bail. And so we have this uh, rule at the table. We, we have dinner as a family. And so when everybody's done eating, and then we're all dismissed. And implementing that was hard at first, um, but it took them a couple of weeks to kind of wrap their minds around it. And now there's no pushback on it at all because we have one kid who let me let me let me give you a dramatic reading of his eating. <laughs> he picks up his fork. He looks at his plate. He isolates the perfect bite. He picks it up. He had Gordon Ramsay said. He looks at it this way. Then he turns the fork around and looks at it. Holds it up to the light then he puts it in his mouth. Then he puts his fork down and then he chews really slowly. And he like read somewhere in the had to chew every bite 20 times or something ridiculous. And like, Oof. like I'm done with my food and this kid's at three bites.
1: He's not exaggerating. This is truly how it happens. Like
2: tonight I just said, look, dinner's over in five minutes. Guys, we're clearing the table in five. And he's like, Oh no, I like this. And he started eating faster, but it it is, it's, it's the craziest thing watching him eat is really, really slowly.
1: Well, and I'll say this starting with everybody eats and everybody stays at the table till the last person's done eating. Mm -hmm. That's a new thing for us. Like that couldn't have happened two years ago. Um, it couldn't have happened last year. Right. I mean, we've slowly increased the amount of time we've been able to sit together so that now our youngest is five and is able to sit at the table with us. Um, but we couldn't have done that when some of our others were five. Right. Right. I mean, this is a different kid and she's able to do that. And so we knew that. Um, so I think it's, I think it's important to set it where your kids are able to do it and not say, well, you know, I heard that by five, they should be able to at the table until the last person's finished. Don't hear me say that. Yeah. Realize that I'm saying you got to figure out what, what your kids can handle. And mm-hmm. maybe, maybe it is that you have older kids and you have younger kids. And so, you know when all the little kids are done then they get to go you know play while the older ones sit and talk and have a discussion
2: yeah yeah because i think some, sometimes we get too wrapped up in in chronology and forget that their, our kids developmental age mm-hmm. is the more important piece of information to consider um so you haven't shared any of your meal time <laughs> uh tribulations well, and triumphs. We don't have really anything that you guys haven't
0: touched on already. We have we have one child who just cannot sit still. Yeah. He doesn't really stand up too much, but he you know, he'll, he's he's it's like he's surfing off the edge of his chair. You know, from his behind <laughs> yes. instead of on his feet. Um and it's loud. And we only have three. Yeah. We have, but half, you have boys. We have yeah, we all have we have all boys, so they're just naturally, and one of our one of our boys is just a loud child. He's just a loud child. He has, he doesn't have a volume control. He just has on and off.
1: <laughs> and on is loud, and off is not.
0: Yeah, and off is not. Off is asleep. Yeah. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you, we I think the one that we probably deal with the most, other than um, the sitting still thing, is uh, I don't want to eat this. After, you know, my loving wife has found this new recipe that she wants to try and looks delicious to me. And, you know, the teenager is like, yeah, okay. But (laughs) the other two were just kind of like, we're like... And it's kind of like okay, it's literally all the things you like. Yes. <laughs> it's just been arranged in a different and presented yes. in a different way. But they're touching on the place. <laughs> like I think, I think one time, you know, we made a casserole, and it you know it has potatoes chopped up and beef, and you know, all it's like, things th- these you are, like. These are all things that you like. It just does. It just doesn't look like a hamburger and French fries, but it's it's yeah. all the things that you like. Yeah. And so, how do we deal with something like that when the kid yeah doesn't want to eat something and you know, sits there with their arms folded and.
1: One thing I learned early on was don't make food a battle. Yeah. It's not worth it. Right. And it's easier said than done. Mm -hmm. Right. Because if you've made a casserole, that's literally the only thing on the table. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, So a rule that we kind of made early on was you had to try a bite of it. Mm -hmm. Right. And you had to try a bite of it. And if you didn't like it, then we could negotiate at that point. Right. So if it was a casserole and that was literally the only thing on the table, um, then we might make a peanut butter sandwich for that person. Mm. Right. Um, because we're not going to, we're not going to make it a battle, but if it was, well, we've got these three vegetables or we these three sides to go with this meat, then we might be willing to negotiate. Okay. We'll taste a bite of this. And even if they'd tried it before, they still taste a little bite of it because we know that our taste buds change. And we know that kids eventually, I think we read somewhere that they had to taste it so many times before they actually knew whether or not they liked it or Mm -hmm. not. And so we've just always kind of implemented that as a rule of just take a bite of it. If you really don't like it, then we'll talk about it and see. You have to be careful too with a lot of our kids their sensory needs that come along with the reason they don't like them. Right. One of our kids absolutely positively cannot stand mashed potatoes. Which is like crazy because right. mashed potatoes are so yummy. Yes, they
0: are, especially lots of butter.
1: But this particular <laughs> <And brown> gravy. <laughs> oh my goodness, they're so good. But this particular child has really Sensitive gag reflex and mm. anything warm and mushy, casseroles, mm. mashed, mashed potatoes, this child can't handle. Mm. And it literally makes this kiddo vomit. Wow. And it's happened at the dinner table before. Mm. So, therefore, there are other children in our house that will not eat those dishes either because they have seen them coming up. Oh. So, we know there are certain textures that we have kids that can't. So, pay attention to the things that your kids don't like. Mm Because at first I was like, well, you don't like mashed potatoes, but you like ice cream and you like pudding and you like all these but they're not warm. Mm. And that's what we had to finally figure out. It was was,
0: just the texture. It was the texture plus the temperature. Yes. It was the
1: texture and the temperature combined together. And so when we did that, we were, we kind of just started paying attention. So pay attention would be my thing is pay attention to what things your child's not liking Mm -hmm. because it might be more than a preference.
0: Yeah. I mean, just speaking personally, the only time I eat mushrooms is when it's on a pizza. Mm-hmm. Because the texture the of raw mushroom, uh, you know, like in a salad or something, I just, I, I don't get like to, vom- I want to vomit stages, but it's and cauliflower. Those are my two like texture things.
1: Yeah, and we and so as totally adults, get that. yeah. Well, and we as adults can go, ooh, that just feels funny in my mouth. But mm. kids say I don't like it, mm-hmm. and so we're like, we'll eat it anyways, well, and then we get into this battle with them about it.
2: Well, I want to say something um, before you start talking about the sensory yeah. stuff because I'm, you know have had to learn that, you know, we don't eat a lot of mashed potatoes around the house and we like mashed potatoes, but if it's going to be a battle for, you know, one third of the team around the table, then it's not worth fighting. And so we eat potatoes in other forms. But one of the things that I think the mistake that, that we made probably with our, with, our, with our older kids and kind of morphed away from that is, is sometimes we just assume that kids have really lousy taste buds. And so we give them bland food. You know, chicken nuggets and French fries. Right. Well, you know how we do French fries at our house? The way I did growing up. Salt, malt, vinegar. Which, if you don't put malt, vinegar on your French fries, you're missing out. It you just, are missing out. It just it just awakens your taste buds when you eat potatoes. But the other thing is, um, I'm, I'm a big Gordon Ramsay fan. And for many reasons, not just, you know, for many reasons, but... But as but as a chef, um, Caleb bought me a Gordon Ramsay cookbook years ago, and, and I love cooking. Anybody who knows me knows that my super secret fantasy job is chef, right? So, um, but we cook stuff from this Ramsay book, and it was so delicious, so delicious, and so and there's a lot of ways that he gets that, and you know he has some philosophies and how you flavor and season food, and so when I cook, I kind of cook with the Gordon Ramsay style of cooking. And then we'll come to the table and we'll present it like a TV show. And so we'll put it so, so dinner, dinner at our house is like, is like in, like you're catering dinner an event. Dinner and a show. Yeah, like right. you're like your catering an event. So we'll go and we'll line up eight plates on the counter, then we'll, um, we'll plate everything and then I'll try to make it look pretty and stuff. And then we'll, and I'll yell service and then the kids will run in and, and, Serve food, and we'll sit down. I said, "So, what I've prepared for you tonight is, and I'll talk them through the dish." And then this uh,
1: literally happens <laughs> at our house. He is not making this up.
2: And then, and then, our nine-year-old daughter, um, she she loves those Master Chef shows, uh-huh. so she is uh, she's like, well, she's like Christina Tozy, and then she like offers like type of feedback that she might offer. And I find <laughs> that if number one, if you really kind of like up the flavor of the food, um, and B, if you make it you know, interesting and participatory, mm-hmm. they tend to, they tend to kind of like connect with the food in ways that they might not have. If you just said, okay, this is what's for dinner. Oh. So, um, that's, well, and them tip into of the the, day. you're engaging them before the engage meal. Engage them, yes. And getting Sir, them into
1: yeah. the kitchen, you know, we get them in there, chopping things and yep. washing things and mixing things and all of those things. Types of activities that get them involved and excited about the food. Age-appropriate activities, of course. Yeah. yeah. Well,
2: but you know, you were telling us earlier about about your friend who had cut his finger tip off cooking. Um, I've cut three of my fingertips off cooking. Uh, we've had multiple trips to urgent care, and Kayla is well well skilled at bandaging and getting gushing blood from a fingertip to stop. Um, so gross. Anyhow, uh, but so. Years ago for my birthday, uh, she sent me to a knife skills class. She's like, I'm tired tired of the blood. Go, go learn how to chop correctly, which is really one of my favorite g- birthday gifts I've ever received because just to think since then, because I can like rapid fire chop stuff, right? So, mm. since, since then and practicing and stuff. But I just think about the hours... Every year that we save standing in the kitchen because I can chop ingredients fast. Mm. So born out of that, I had this idea. Well, let's teach the kids. So our five-year-old will will I cut like carrots and potatoes and celery and stuff with me? And she's got this little, um, little short like knives. Mm-hmm. They're really really sharp. And I've showed her how to tuck her fingers and how to cut, and, and all and all the kids can do that. Uh, and it's participatory with them you know, and they're, and they're, involved in dinner and we're having a real great time of connection. So there's a lot of like positive that's coming out of doing that. Um, my mother, my mother calls, um, our, our daughter, Brooklyn Lulu bear gave her that nickname. And so, um, my daughter now makes it a game. So if she's cooking with me, who, by the way, she was seven years old and made gumbo for us one night and it was delicious. I cut the raw chicken. That was my only involvement. Hmm. Um, jambalaya, not gumbo jambalaya. And, um, so she told me that every time she helps me cook, uh, she it, she makes it a game and she pretends like we're um, we have a restaurant called Dad and Lou's and we're serving dinner. And so that's really kind of helped with that. So it's not just because she the was food. our pickiest eater; yeah, she was for a mm. long time. But we also discovered that some of that was a food allergy related. And once yes. we addressed those, a lot of her her mealtime issues just kind of went away. Mm.
1: And, and I think it's good to remember that our kids don't always tell us like what's wrong. It just comes out as I don't like this. It's gross. They don't necessarily That's have nasty. the words. We have to ask the they questions. Don't. Yes. Yeah.
0: I noticed that with one of ours too, is that when he says something like why he doesn't like it or he said, you know, I don't like it. And then you'll have to ask, well, why don't you like it, buddy? And you might have to, you know, offer him the question. Is it the temperature? Is it too hot? You know, Yeah. Is it the texture? Does it feel funny in your mouth? Cause they mm-hmm. just sometimes don't know how to articulate it. Yes, Exactly.
1: You know. And I think we oftentimes just label them as being defiant and, and difficult yeah. at mealtime, or a picky eater. They and especially get,
0: in the evening for dinner, they could just yes. be tired too. Yes. Yeah.
1: If we go too late, if we wait too late to have dinner, mm-hmm. or if we go past, I mean, we we try to aim for about six thirty is when we eat dinner. Mm. Um, our kids go to bed about eight thirty, and so we aim for about six thirty for dinner. And then they could have a little snack before bed. But if we wait too long, we're toast yeah. because everything is a problem and nothing is good.
0: Okay. So we've got the kids at the table. Yeah. We're keeping yeah. them at the table. Yes. They're liking the food. Yes. Okay. But sometimes our kids will eat way too much
2: food. Yes. So how do we deal with that? You know, what I was thinking <clears throat> when you're asking the question is we just got like the 25 minute signal from Dallas three minutes ago. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, we just got two things on the list. We're going to, we're going to have to have multiple mealtime episodes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, cause we I could talk all day on this. We I, could, mean, I mean, yeah, cause this is, this is, this is the struggle is real. Like you yeah, said.
1: Yeah. This is a big deal. But I think the, um, the overeating thing is hard because mm. we all worry about our kids are eating too much. And I think, I think we, as foster and adoptive parents, I think we, Understand that for a lot of our kids, they eat too much because at some point in their life, they didn't have enough right. and they have this ingrained, but there's some of our kids that it's an anxiety thing. I'll tell you, I'm a stress eater. When I mm-hmm. feel stressed, I eat yeah. yep. and our kids, their system is highly stressed out. Even those kids that came to us at, at birth, right? Right. And so even those little bitty ones that we brought home that never went hungry for one single meal their entire life, they overeat. And we dismiss that as, well, it can't be because of any you know of their history, but I'm a stress eater, right? And so if our kids are stressed, that might be how they're helping to calm their stressed system, right? Mm, they're trying to overeat. I mean, they're not trying to overeat. They're trying to calm themselves down with this overeating. Yeah. Yeah. So I think one way we have kind of combated that because we had some that would just eat nonstop. And as long as there was food in front of them, they were eating. Right. And so one of the things that we did is we dish up a serving size and they can have more, but they have to have more of everything. Mm and so sometimes they just want to eat more of the one thing they really like. Right. And so we're like, if you want more, you have more of everything. And so then they have to decide, hmm, am I really hungry? Right. Or do I just really like that one thing? So
2: good questions. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, guys, like you said, we could talk a lot longer on mealtime struggles, and I'm sure we'll revisit this in the future based on listener questions. But I want to thank you both for being on the podcast today.
1: Absolutely. It's
2: awesome to be back
0: around the table with you guys. Indeed. If you have a question for us that will fit into 280 characters, you can tweet it to us at one big happy home. If you require a bit more room, you can email us at info at one big happy home.com. We have a Facebook group just for podcast listeners search for the empowered parent podcast community. You can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes or on the Google play store Just search for the Empowered Parent Podcast. If you have enjoyed and gotten value from the show, we would appreciate a review in either location. The Empowered Parent Podcast is committed to helping parents of foster and adopted kids through connecting, correcting, and empowering principles. Thanks for listening.